Thank you for downloading Yacht Blast. Island 92's Maritime Show comes to you from St. Martin, the yachting capital of the Caribbean. This podcast may have been edited for copyright reasons. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and welcome to Yacht Blast, Island 92's weekly programme of rock, blues, and sailing news with me, Gary Brown. Now this week I'm in Anguilla, enjoying the Anguilla regatta, sailing, drinking cold beer, and getting sand between my toes. So I recorded the Yacht Blast earlier this week. Yacht Blast is now coming to the end of its seasonal run, and next week, May 14th, will be the last show until we start again in November. Seeing as I'm away, I thought this would be the perfect opportunity to replay a couple of the most popular interviews from the series. I also have a new interview with author and circumnavigator Captain Fatty Goodlander. Now, there will be no offshore marine weather forecast this week, but we do have some great music and some news, so stay with us. Let's get the show on the way with this. Credence Clearwater Revival and Bad Moon Rising. Sometimes when I run a feature or interview, I get feedback from you, and that's always nice. One of the most popular features from this series, and the one that brought in quite a few emails, was the one about the sailing freighter Tres Hombres, and in particular, my climb up the mast to the yard arms. So here's that item again. Just remember not to look down. Right, I'm getting in the harness now because I'm going to have a go at going up the mast. I'll get as far as I can before I start gasping for breath. Uh-huh, and the harness is on the deck and I have to stand in it. And so I'm going to put the, uh, the microphone down while we get this thing sorted out. Here we go. All right, now what do I do next? Just put your feet one through there with that going on your back, you know. I'm emptying my pockets just in case uh, I don't want to drop stuff. And if I do fall, then you can have the stuff that I've left behind. Okay. Face that way. Left foot goes here, right foot goes there. What? Your right foot goes there. Oh, okay. Yep. Uh-huh. And then the uh, green ones come up over your shoulders like this. And then, um, and then this is your uh, your lifeline clip, right? Yep. So they work like that. You can also. Use this as you feel comfortable. Yeah. You know, you can climb up and then just clip in when you're up there, or if you feel like you want to go as you go, feel free you. to do that. Right. And then there's this ring, or there's a ring on the side here that you could clip it on, like I do here. Just anyway. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah. Right, we're good. I'm harnessed up. I'm going to try this. It's going to be a bit difficult. I'm going to tr- yeah. maybe put the recording equipment in my pocket and hope that it'll just good. keep on running. And if not, well, I'll have to tell you all about it when I get down on the deck. Yeah, you might be able to stick this somewhere. I'm not sure. Yeah, there you go. Let's try that. Yep. I think we're going to get a lot of uh, microphone noise and cable noise here, but we're going to give it a go. Um, you want to follow me or you want me to go up under you? I'll follow you. Okay. So here you just kind of jump up onto the rail. All right. After you. Yep. I'm on the outside of the uh, rat lines now, on the bulwarks, standing on the cap rail. So you want to get under this, and sometimes you got to watch because these things will catch on right, I'm with you. your harness. So you just kinda... I'm with you. It's just quite an experience for me. Again, it's not the first time by any means that I've, I've climbed the rigging or been in the rigging of a sailing ship, but uh, it's a long time ago. Right. And uh, so far, so good. So these get narrow. Yeah. But you probably want to get one foot into here. Right. And then you put the next one up on Will here. do. And you're holding on to the outside of this at the same time. Yep. And then there's a wooden one here. It takes a little bit of muscle to pull your butt. Okay, now the rat lines, as they always do when they get to this point, 
Not all. Just, you know, if you want to feel comfortable to uh, clip in before you try this. Yeah. Then that all right down. So now I've got to go around this platform. I'm just looking at it carefully, and uh, before I make my move, I could clip on, but I think I'm all right. Okay. Famous last words. Yep. Uh, foot twisted. Yeah. I'm good so far. Yep. Wow, well, I'm like right out, right back. Now, and I'm up on the platform. Yeah. What do you call this platform? The platform. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure what it's the, uh, the what? Four top. The four, the four top. top. Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yep. It's a good workout, right? Yeah, it is. It is, and, uh... You know, I uh, started this about two weeks ago, and, uh, you know, first time I came up, I was a little nervous and, and you know, a little uh, uneasy about it. Every time I go up, I feel more comfortable. And... No. Well, the view from here... Uh, not just a view of the uh, of the bay of uh, Grand Cas Bay, but uh, looking down at the ship and looking at the blocks and the rigging, you get a close-up view of this top mast. Uh, first part of the mast finishes here. The second part of the mast goes up further. You can see how it's rigged, the shackles, the iron bands, the sails, how they're hanged on. It's a wonderful experience because it really is a true, true sailing ship. There's no engine in this ship at all. What, Amazing experience. What amazes me is that the people around you built this thing too. That all these pieces were hand built. All these blocks were put together by hand. They yeah. were bought by machines, you know. All the yards, all the, the metal work was, was done by these people and everything. And all the, uh, the serving on the, on the lines were all done. Absolutely amazing. It's a yeah. stunning ship. Um, it's a real honor to be on board with you guys. Yeah. Do you want to go for more? Yeah, yeah. We're uh, tarring, so if, once you get up by those buckets, it's going to get a little dirty. All right. But uh, we can go right up. Well, so it gets damn narrow up there. I tell you, you could probably go and stand on here at least, right? Let's do that. Stand on the masthead. Stand on the masthead, yeah. Do a little jig for you. Right. Wasn't that the punishment that they gave the guys? I think, you know? yeah, get up there on the masthead, you right. scurvy dog. Right, right. Ah. I'm following David again. Whoa, I can't get that leg over that now. Yeah. Microphone is hanging in. We've got lots of wind. And there's a great big pot of tar above my head. So if I tip that on myself, yeah. I'm going to be in big stretch. Okay. <laughs> I'll pull it away for you. Uh, okay, I'm up. Yeah. One more. One hand there. One for the ship. One for me. Mm -hmm. And I think at this point, I'm going to clip on. Good. Okay. Um, to what? I'm not sure. So uh, always do uh, standing rigging as opposed to running rigging. So these days work as opposed to the uh, lines and things. So. Right. David, where do I clip? Uh, you could just clip to right here would work. Yeah? Yeah. I'm clipping on because the motion of the ship up here now is more pronounced. Yeah. And there's something on this mast. It's uh, tallow. From, tallow. Uh, beef uh, fat. Okay. Yeah. So it's slippy, yeah. and my hands are now covered in tar. I'm getting the real experience here. It's brilliant, but um, I can definitely feel the motion of the ship. Yeah. So I'm clipped on. And uh, what? there's another uh, couple of uh, well, 20 feet to go, but I'm not going to go any higher because of the way the, the guys have been tarring everything, and I'll just be absolutely covered in it. But a wonderful experience, and you can get a feel of what it must be like to be up this rig in a seaway. And this is just a small ship, across the bigger ships, the old Cape Horn ships, 
they just towered above this too so you get a real feeling of our old traditional the nerve it takes to sail these ships the skill it takes to sail them and i'm just full of admiration for the crew of the tres hombres and they really do deserve to do well david thank you for uh, bringing me up here you all you got to do now is get me down uh -huh. so uh you ready to go or you want to uh, a little bit we can go okay are we going to slide down the rig like we did in the old days or are we not yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to do that. But, uh, <laughs> All right. But, yeah. Right. So, David, uh, I think I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, come around, yeah. Then if I fall, like you said, you can catch me. Yeah, yeah. And then you can... Because uh, often <laughs> going down could be the, uh, yep. the trick. Yep, yep. Yeah, oh, that wind up here, you can hear it more. You can feel it more, right? Yeah. And then in the swell, the masts go... Yeah, yeah. Sliding back and forth. I was on one ship uh, many years ago uh, at anchor in a shallow bay, and she was hitting the bottom. And I was on the top mast, oh, and when every time she touched the bottom, it came right up the mast. The feeling was unbelievable. Right, right, yeah, very, very scary. Uh -huh. Now the trick here is not to forget to unclip, yeah, right, or else I'm going to be hanging there like Stop like a bauble right. on a Christmas tree. Okay. All right, let's. Uh... So you push yeah, no, with your palm. There you go. Push it with your palm, and then. Yeah. All right, the powerful clips, eh? Yeah. Yeah, you might want to do that. That's fine. Yeah, I'm going to hook right. again. Right. All right. I've got a good view right down into this tar bucket now. Wonderful. Oh. Oh, I'm gonna get some for my wife for perfume. Right, you, you know, she can wear it. When we had our old wooden boat, we no. we had pine tar and pitch and the whole thing. And and that smell. I grew up with that smell on the east coast of England oh. of the old ships there. Right. And it always takes me back, brings back great memories. Okay, so, wonderful stuff. Uh -huh. Here we go. All right. Alright, I'm good. And then uh, remember this time you might be a little slippery from all that. Yeah. Mm. You hold on and uh, you try to get a foot on that one wooden piece. You try. Alright, I like that, you try. Uh -huh. I'm following you and oops, stand on David's head. I'm good. Alright David. Yep. This is the coolest experience I've had for a long time and uh, I hope this we're recording all right. No, I'm not quite sure. Okay. Uh, that works, but there's one about a above it. I'm good there. Got it. I got it. I just need to clip. Yeah. Oh, right, right. And that was recorded on the sailing freighter Tres Hombres. And when I say sailing, I mean sailing. Tres Hombres doesn't have an engine. Tres Hombres will be back in the Caribbean next year. The idea behind this ship is to prove that freight can be carried around the world under sail without the pollution caused by motorised ships. The company that runs the sailing ship offer apprenticeships and berths for those who would like to experience life on board a sailing ship. The easiest way to find them is to Google Ship Tres Hombres. Join the crew of the infamous floating bar Lucky Lady on a rip-roaring chase across the Caribbean. Tackle storms, party hard or die trying. Packed with unforgettable characters, Caribbean High is for anyone who dreams of adventure in the Caribbean and life on the edge. The Caribbean's number one sailing thriller, Caribbean High by Gary E. Brown, is now available in paperback and as an e-book from Amazon.com and Amazon.co.uk or ask at your local bookstore. Visit the author's website, GaryEbrown.net, for details. More music with The Pretenders. Pretenders and Forever Young. Korea has thrown its hat into the ring and they're making a bid for the America's Cup. This is the first time in its 160-year history 
a challenge has been made by a South Korean yacht club for the America's Cup, the oldest trophy in international sports. The Sail Korea Yacht Club, represented by Team Korea, has been officially accepted as the challenger. One event that we have followed closely over the last couple of years is the Clipper Around the World race, the brainchild of famous yachtsman Sir Robin Knox Johnson. This event gets bigger and better, and the secret is that Clipper is for amateur crews who pay to sail around the world, which means that the man in the street has a chance to do something if he can pay that only a unique few get to do, and that's race around the world. The race offers huge marketing opportunities for the sponsors, and the latest to step forward is the country of Finland. They took part in this race in 2009-2010 when they finished second. The boat will be named Visit Finland, which is uh, very apt. If you'd like to get involved in the Clipper race and you don't have to do the whole race, you can do stages, then go to www.clipperroundtheworld.com. Author and circumnavigator Captain Fatty Goodlander is now in Turkey preparing his boat Wildcard for a summer voyage through the Mediterranean. I spoke to Fatty by phone on Monday, and as always, he had plenty to say. I have Captain Fatty on the line over there in Turkey. He's returned to his boat after uh, being uh, in Amsterdam and enjoying the delights of Europe. Fatty, what's it like to be back with Wildcard? Well, it's great to be uh, back aboard. Um, we uh, had an absolutely marvelous uh, winter with our daughter and our new grandchild, Soku. And um, now back to the reality of the cruising life. It's always nice to take a vacation from your vacation. Um, but as soon as we came back, uh, we hauled out Wild Card. And Carolyn and I worked on it. We had a very good haul out with no surprises and uh, uh, quickly returned into the water. And in many ways, Wild Card is... Uh, um, better than she's ever been. Um, we've now owned her unexpectedly for 21 years, um, and yet after 70,000 miles, I can say that uh, she's uh, more comfortable, safer, and more seaworthy than she's ever been, which is pretty nice considering that I, I barely put any peanuts into her. And we're getting ready to take off for a summer's cruising. We've already been in Turkey and the Mediterranean now for more than a year, or just about a year now, and we're going to spend the next four or five months uh, cruising through the Greek islands, Italy, and uh, France. So, boy, some really wonderful things coming up. I know it's very complicated. We talked about this before we began the interview. But it's rather difficult, I believe, to cruise through the Med for, shall we say, a non-European uh, vessel that hasn't paid the VAT. How are you going to get around that? Can you, very briefly, because I know it's a complicated subject, what are you going to do? Uh, what I'm going to do is, um, I, I have a couple of principles in mind, is that, one, I'm, I've never really have anything against breaking the law um very i mean i don't I'm, I'm not one of those guys who always wants to be on the right side i'm perfectly comfortable on the wrong side of the law as long as nobody minds i'm breaking it and uh these shinigan regulations are put in place um for reasons that have really nothing to do with me and they really make it almost impossible to abide by the letter of the law um and it means that if i'm in um the european union for 90 days, I have to leave for more than 90 days. Um, well, this makes cruising the uh, med in the summertime virtually impossible. And I, they just didn't in, think of cruising yachtsmen whatsoever. The good news is that most of the people um, administering these rules realize that if you're transiting the Mediterranean, it's pretty hard to do, you know, evaporate both yourself and your home after 90 days. 
Um, and so they basically just ignore it. I'll try my best to ignore it. The only problem is, is if you ever run across somebody who takes a disliking to you, you are in violation and they now have a legitimate thing to uh, come back at you with. But a lot of these things, I, I put my ear to the ground and uh, ask the fellows that are just ahead of me doing this, uh, what should I do? Should I be uptight about this or not? And everyone said, Fatty, don't be uptight. Go with the flow. You'll be in complete violation. Everybody will love you, and um, I'm cool with that. Well, good luck with that, because that would be an awful thing to happen. It's just more madness in the world of cruising. We see it out here now in the Caribbean, more rules and regulations and more people in peaked caps wanting more and more form-filling. And the cruising lifestyle is really coming under fire, isn't it? I think it is. Um, in order to go to Greece, um, there's three things um, that I'm supposed to have. I'm supposed to be in compliance with these Shinigan regulations. I'm supposed to have some sort of a captain certificate. I uh, never have had a captain certificate for the simple reason that uh, I've sailed uh, so many hundreds of thousands of miles that I've never really had time to go ashore and get any kind of certificate. I've been too busy uh, trip traipsing around the world uh, on a boat. And um, I, I did get insurance. Normally, I only have one bill. I only pay a sale mail bill of $250 a year. And I have had that basically for 10 years. Only My only fixed bill um, is $250 a year. But because I was in the med, I um, uh, swallowed uh, my pride or whatever and decided to get insurance. So I got liability insurance for my boat, which cost me $400. And, uh, you know, I have to sign a piece of paper that I'll never get a penny uh, for anything uh, out of this, of course, because it's liability insurance for a third party. Okay, so I'm all good with this, except that when I went to go to Greece, they say, oh, no, that's not good enough, that liability insurance. You, your liability insurance is only 500000 and we need $5 million with the liability insurance plus um, ecology insurance. Anyway, I could go on, but it's enough to make you puke, Gary. I hear you, and it's very, very sad, and people need to take all these things in mind if they are planning an extended cruise, certainly through the Med. Now, which is the place that you're probably looking forward to the most? I know your wife, Caroline, has got strong ties with uh, Sicily. Is that a place you're looking forward to visiting? Well, we certainly are. We've had wonderful times uh, uh, shore visiting um, with our Sicilian relatives. Um, they love her very much, and they enjoy me trying to speak Sicilian, and we've really had great times there, so it'll be really nice to have them down to the boat. I'm particularly looking forward to Greece. Um, I like the Greeks, just like I like the Turks, and uh, a lot of those little laid-back islands are really cool. Right now, uh, the best possible time to cruise is right now um, and in the fall. Unfortunately, my wife's uh, mother's had a little medical problem, and so my wife has had to fly back to the States for a month You know, in the belly of the beast there. And, of course, when she's back in the States, we order all the stuff that we need for the boat, so all of a sudden the money's flowing out, and then we realize that we have all kinds of problems. We really don't have any problems, except when you go to the States and ask yourself, gee, while well, I'm in the States, do we have any problems? Of course, you have thousands of problems. So it's lots of vexation with shore, and I can't wait to cast off my dock lines and go sailing again where life makes sense to me. That's true. I can relate to that. The freedom to be able to haul that, up that sail, haul the anchor, and get out of Dodge and get the freedom of the seas and enjoy as you say yourself, God's own cathedral, it's a wonderful experience. It really is. And, you know, I came to sailing for the thrill of actual physical thrill of being uh, sailing. But I'm, I'm still here after 50 some years of living aboard because the people are so amazing. And because it allows me to be 
what I aspire to be, which is the freest man in the universe. And part and parcel of being free on your own boat, of course, is accepting the responsibility for that. And, of course, earning your income as you go. So my boat isn't just my home and my sport, but it's also my profession and my hobby and my passion. So it's really great that I'm able to uh, make my living. I had my best year ever financially last year uh, as a writer and never had to put on shoes or um, put on clothes or something. I do most of my writing naked, so it works out pretty good for me. That's not a pretty sight. I can imagine uh, that uh, we, won't go, <laughs> we won't go there. Um, talking... It's not television. Don't get uptight. It's not television. <laughs> uh, talking about writing, you have another book coming out. You're turning out lots of books, and they're all great entertaining books. This latest one is something that's quite dear to your heart because th- this has touched you personally, and that's The Somali Pirates. Very briefly, uh, Fatty, tell us about this book. Well, um, it was a book that I wasn't expecting to write, um, and it's a, quite a departure for me. Um, and uh, I like to write about good news, and I like to write with a heavy sense of humor. Um, and although this book does have some humorous moments, for the most part, it's, it's uh, not written in a humorous vein. What happened there was uh, when my friends on the quest were um, kidnapped by Somali pirates, I was shocked and outraged and horrified, and I wrote a story for um, All Let's See Publications. When I sent them that story, I uh, talked to the editor, uh, Gary Brown, and uh, Chris uh, Kinnan, and uh, we talked a little bit about it, and, and you, Gary, reminded me that if there was a change in the status, I'd have to rewrite the story. Well, when I, you said change in the status, of course, I thought to myself, well, you know, if they uh, get on land or if they're held on a freighter or something, it never dawned on me that the change of status would be that all four of uh, these people would be murdered horribly in cold blood. Um, when that happened, uh, of course, uh, you informed me that I had to rewrite the story, and uh, I did that for all at sea. But it threw me into a tailspin um, because I had encouraged a lot of people to uh, – transit the Indian Ocean. I had just transited it um, aboard Wildcard, and uh, I went up the Gulf of um, Aden without any problem. And as a matter of fact, that year, that season, that one single vessel was pirated. Certainly no one was killed. And uh, now there's all kinds of people being killed and people being pirated. So I had a personal stake in this, and I was horrified. Anyway, I sat down and wanted to write a magazine article about it. And when I uh, concluded that article uh, 17 days later, I realized that the article was 70,000 words long, which is pretty long for a magazine article. It's a little bit above your all at sea limit, right, Gary? <laughs> it sure is, yeah, yeah. If you're looking for 800 words, at 70,000 yeah. is... Uh, yeah, 70,000. Quite a missive. <laughs> um, of course, with the technology that we have today and the um, ability to uh, put things into print faster, quicker, and less expensive than normal... I turned this into an um, ebook, which will be coming out in about 60 days, well, sometime in the end of May, on Kindle, and it'll be out shortly thereafter that in uh, hard copy. It's a departure for me, um, but I tried to chronicle every single real incident that took place between Somali pirates and yachtsmen in the Indian Ocean. So every single attack, every single kidnapping, every single uh, thing has been chronicled uh, with some uh, personal interviews and some... Uh, through various different sources. So it was quite different. And uh, during the um, month that I wrote this intensively, my wife, for about 14 hours a day, researched it all. So basically, I was uh, in one room writing furiously, and she was shoving notes uh, through under the door for me to write about. And then I was shouting questions at her. And um, occasionally, we would um, uh, open the door and punch each other out and then make love. <laughs> well, Fatty, it's always wonderful to talk to you. And 
Um, unfortunately, Yacht Blast is coming to the end of its season's run, uh, but hopefully we'll be back again towards the end of this year in November, so we'll be able to catch up with you again. And, of course, I'll be in touch with you throughout the year. And we wish you and Carolyn well on your Mediterranean cruise, and thanks once again for sharing your amazing life with us here on Yacht Blast. I'm so happy that you've had this show. I think you've done a great job, and I can't wait to help you out sometime in the future, and uh, you just have a great summer. Captain Fatty Goodlander talking to me from a boatyard in Turkey ahead of his voyage through the Med. And we'll catch up with Fatty again in the new series of Yacht Blast, which gets underway in mid-November. Here's a nice song we haven't played for a while. Jerry and the Pacemakers and Ferry Across the Mersey. January, St Martin was abuzz with news of the imminent arrival of 15-year-old Dutch solo sailor Laura Decker. And I think I made a good choice by replaying my interview with Laura as we look back over some of the most interesting Yacht Blast interviews of the current series. The story of 15-year-old Dutch solo circumnavigator Laura Decker has made news around the world. When she was 14, the Dutch government placed her under a supervision order and effectively stopped her from setting sail on her quest to become the youngest person to sail solo around the world. All those problems are now behind her and Laura is on her way. Having sailed single-handed from Gibraltar to the Cape Verde Islands, Laura's next stop was St Martin. I caught up with this amazing teenager while her boat was alongside the dock in Simpson Bay Marina for an exclusive Yacht Blast interview. I began by asking Laura about her boat Guppy. You'll hear a bit of interference in the background. We had a boat alongside with its engine chugging away. Here's Laura. It's a Chinook Ginfish. It's a French-built boat. Yeah. How long? Uh, it's 12 metre. How easy do you find the boat to sail on your own? It's a nice boat to sail alone. It's a catch, and that's nice. Then it's not too much chill. I saw that in the pictures when you were coming in. You had uh, mizzen up and the mainsail up and the and the jib nicely pulled out, so it looks like you can break the sail area down yeah. into into usable chunks. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. In heavy weather, what's the first thing you do? Uh, well, mostly I get the main sail down and get the storm sail out. So then I sail storm sail and uh, the bazan. What kind of self-steering gear have you got? Well, the wind pilot and a normal autopilot. Which one do you prefer to use? The wind pilot. Because it doesn't use power or because it's more accurate? Um, because it don't use power, Yeah. mostly. Some people have said the longest part of the voyage for you is from across the Atlantic, from the Cape Verde to uh, the Caribbean, but it's not, is it? No. From the Galapagos <laughs> to the Marrakesis is the longest trip. How, how far is that? Uh, well, I don't know, about 3,000 miles, something. It's a long time to be alone at sea. I know because I crossed the Atlantic on my own, it took me 35 days, and I loved every minute of that time. I was never bored. Do you get bored? No, not really. So how do you feel your time? Uh, well, I don't know, I just wake up, eat something, check my course and where I am, and then look a little bit around, reading, writing... Things like that. <laughs> Are you sleeping okay? I mean, how do, you, how do you keep watch? Well, I sleep two hours, then I look around and sleep two hours again. Yeah. What about food? What kind of food are you eating? In containers and mostly spaghetti or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Stuff that's easy to cook, I guess. Yeah. How much water have you got on board? In the tank, 150, and then I have two 30 liter and some... Uh, in, in bowl, 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 do you say that? Flesha? 
bottles. Yeah, Dutch. You have a water maker? No. No. Well, when it's raining, I catch water. Yeah. Do you fish? No. Why? Uh, I hate fish. <laughs> I don't like it. What's the most important piece of equipment do you do you have? Uh, I don't know. I think the wind pilot is one of the most important things, and the GPS. Yeah. So you're using the GPS to navigate. Yeah. You have a backup GPS. Yeah. What about communication? How are you communicating with um, your family? I have a satellite telephone, so I can call my parents if it's, if I need it. How are your parents dealing with it? They must be a little bit worried, but I mean, you are a very experienced sailor. You you were born on your parents' boat in New yeah. Zealand, so you've been doing this just about all your life. But it is a big ocean, and they must be very happy when that phone rings. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, my father calls me every day and yeah I don't know what he is really thinking about it you're 15 year old and you're in the spotlight your story's featured all over the world in all the big uh, national newspapers are you finding that's easy to deal with no totally not when I started to do the voyage then I have never thought about any media or something so it was really weird that all this was coming over me yeah because I never thought about it and I didn't want it. I didn't do it because I wanted to be in the media or something. It's a very personal thing that you're doing. Yeah. I'm sure you've been asked many, many times, why? Why do you want to do this? I don't know, because I like sailing and I like to see much from the world and, yeah, to cruising a little bit around this kind of life. <laughs> what do you miss about not being at home or on the land? Anything? Not yet. No, I haven't missed anything, now. Is there anything that you wish you had on the boat that you don't have? Ah, uh, yeah, little things. But not really important things. Hmm. Equipment-wise, is there something yeah. you would like to have that you don't have? Yeah, long-distance radio and, and things like that. You are getting support from sponsors. That must be nice for you. Yeah. But I've not really much sponsors or something. You haven't? No, not really. <laughs> okay. You're 15 now and you want to go the whole way around the world. Have you set yourself a date to finish? Somewhere before my 17th birthday. So So two years? Yeah. When were you 15? Um, 20 September is my birthday. So you're going to have to be moving quite a bit. Yeah. Which countries are you looking forward to visiting? Um, the Panama Canal, I think that's really great. Galapagos, that will be great too. Yeah. And I think that's nice. Now there's going to come a point where you have to decide if you are going to go up the Red Sea mm -hmm. with all the problems that you yeah, face there. Yeah, I know. Or go around the Cape of Good Hope, which is also called the Cape of Storms, which yeah, speaks for itself. I'm what will you do? through the Red Sea. You will go through the Red Sea and uh, run the gauntlet of, of the pirates. Yeah, well, I think I go with many other boats. That's mostly what I do there. <laughs> it's too far, I guess, to really worry yeah. about it. Huh? Are you going back to New Zealand, where you were born? No, no, I have not enough time to do that. So I go above Australian. From St. Martin, are you going direct to Panama? No, no, no. I think I go all these islands down to Panama. Do you uh, keep the boat tidy, or is it like... Uh, any teenager's room? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes I clean it up. Where do you get your weather information? 
Um, well, I have not really weather information, but if there's really coming a big storm or something, then my dad can tell me. Once you're out there, there's nothing you can do anyway, is there? No. <laughs> Which is nice in a way. Yeah, it's nice to know before, but yeah, you kind of do really a little bit prepare, maybe to clean up or put sails down or something. Do you keep yourself hooked on it? Yeah, yeah, oh. always. What would happen if you had a problem up the mast? Can you pull yourself up there? Yeah, yeah, yeah it is possible. You have no steps on the mast? No. I see you have the EPIRB there, and I guess you've got life rafts and, and everything that you could possibly need. Yeah. She's really a well-equipped boat. Are you happy with the boat? If you had a choice of changing the boat right now for a different boat, would no, you do that? No, I wouldn't do that. No. no, I'm happy with this boat. Nice boat to sail in and two masts. And yeah, I really like this boat. It's part of me. <laughs> Where did you come up with the name Guppy? Because my first boat was called Guppy 2. I had, when I was 10, um, a 7 meter boat. And well, it was a little boat there. But so I called it Guppy, and then I got a bigger boat and bigger and bigger, so... But I always called it Guppy. <laughs> because what you're doing has become big news, world news, Yeah. you are a role model for a, a lot of young people, especially young girls. How do you feel about that, and what would you say to, well, to young people? Well, that's really great. I just have to say that if you have a dream or something, that you just have to go for it. Which you have done, because you've been determined yeah. to do this against... What, at one time, were very tough odds that you would ever, would ever be allowed to do it. You've persisted, and here you are. Yeah. When did you actually start the single-handed voyage? Did you start in Cape Verde, or did you sail from Gibraltar on your own? <sighs> from Gibraltar on my own. So you have to finish the voyage in, in Gibraltar? Yeah. How have people reacted to you? How have the officials reacted to you? Have they been okay? No. <laughs> why? Well, in Holland, really not. I don't know why. Because they thought that it was dangerous or something. Well, it's everywhere dangerous, but they don't sail, and they don't know what boats are, and I don't know, they're scared of it. How about officials in Gibraltar and in St. Martin? Well, yeah, when, when, the most are really nice, because then it's mostly in a harbour or something where it's water, and they know what it is, and then they've already heard about me, and it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and that was 15-year-old Dutch solo circumnavigator Laura Decker talking to me aboard her boat Guppy. I'm sure you agree that Laura is pretty clued up. I looked at the boat with a very critical eye and I looked at the systems and I reckon she's in with a good chance of making that solo voyage around the world. And everyone here at Yacht Blast wishes her well. Now I know that many people don't agree with Laura making this voyage. People have been very vocal about it. And if you have anything to say or you would like to comment then I would love to hear from you. You can email gaz at island92.com. And let's, let's, you know, let's try and give this girl some support. She's a super girl, and she's doing things her own way, and she really is a role model. We wish her well. And Laura is now in the Galapagos Islands, one of the places she was really looking forward to visiting. I hope it's all she hoped it would be. You can follow Laura's adventures on lauradecker.nl. Island 92 More music. Here's Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins taking us towards the top of the hour. Fire at sea. It's every sailor's worst nightmare. Now we hear news of, of two catastrophic fires, the first on a charter boat in Anguilla and the second on the famous Rachel Pugh 75, Teton, during Antigua Race Week. Currently the cause of the two fires is unknown, 
but it seems like a fault in the electrical system is a good bet. We almost lost our classic yacht Dryak 2 to an electrical fire off the coast of St John in the US Virgin Islands a few years ago. There was no wind and Jan and I were motoring along when suddenly the cabin filled with smoke. I dashed below and was almost overcome by fumes from the melting wire. I managed to turn off the electrics and rip out a handful of cable and fortunately the fire went out. On making it ashore, I immediately bought two new fire extinguishers. But the danger wasn't the flames, it was the fumes. With boats now leaving for their summer cruising grounds, it's a good time to check your firefighting equipment and brush up on firefighting techniques. It's frightening just how many crews don't know where their fire extinguishers are. And I would hate to be talking about you on next week's show. And talking about next week's show, which is the last in our current series... Along with the sailing news, I'll be playing the most popular music of the last six months. So please join me for that. And that's it. We're out of time. Yacht Blast will be back on Monday night at 7 for the encore performance. And the podcast will be available by late Sunday afternoon. And you can find that on iTunes or by following the link on the Yacht Blast website, yachtblast.com. Thanks for listening. Until next time, fair winds and safe sailing. <laughs>